Hi, this is the founder of Disrupt Education, Peter Hostrosser. I want to thank you so much for taking the time out today to listen to the podcast. If you want to learn more about Disrupt Education, come by disrupteducation.co or uh, follow me on Instagram at Disrupt Education. You'll find out all kinds of different things going on in the educational world, innovative things, different schools, interviews, where I'll be, so much information there. This episode, we have Brandon Huang. Brandon grew up in California, made it all the way to New York. He's in the tech industry now uh, after he did a stint in the Ivy League, and he talks about all the different things that he understands in education. So that's coming up next on the podcast. The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Welcome to this episode of Disrupt Education. On this episode, we have a very special guest on the line, Brandon Huang. Brandon, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Thank you so much for being here with us today. Let's start off by having you tell us a little bit something about who you are. Yeah, so uh, my name is Brandon. I grew up in Southern California and uh, since then have moved to New York, first for school for four years and then after school. Uh, after college, um, I've lived in New York City for an additional four years. Um, currently, I'm working in uh, the tech startup space as a um, strategic operations team member. Um, I'm working on initiatives that are strate- strategic to the business, um, including business strategy and operations, um, some marketing uh, initiatives, product management initiatives and other special projects that uh, the company deems valuable to the, to the growth of the company. As you mentioned, coming from California all the way to the East Coast and Cornell University, tell us a little bit more about that journey. Yeah, so I started out, my educational path um, has taken um, a pretty big turn at, at certain specific points in my, in my career, my educational career, I, I should say. So, um, starting in, I guess, I went to preschool. Um, I don't remember much, much of preschool, but <laughs> the first memories I do remember are kindergarten. Started out in kindergarten and moved around to three different schools, kindergarten through third grade. And then fourth and fifth grade, fourth grade all the way through eighth grade, or sorry, through seventh grade, I stayed at the same school. Um, and I, I wasn't necessarily being challenged um, academically. Um, all the time. So at one point, I, I, I was. I think this was the summer before seventh grade. Uh, my mom, I think, asked me if um, I'd be interested in skipping a level of math, and I said, hey, "Sure, why not? I'll take it as a challenge." <laughs> um, I've been playing basketball since a young age, and I think that's where my competitiveness kicked in. I was like, "Sure, why not? Let's take the challenge." And so, borrowed a textbook from the school over the summer. Um, I had a buddy of mine who was already ahead. I don't know how he got ahead in the system, but he was taking he was taking the next level of math as a younger student. And so that's the first inflection point, um, or, or I guess accelerant of, 
of my educational career. I studied the studied the seventh grade textbook over the over the summer. Took a test when school started in seventh grade. Um, I think I got a passing grade and <laughs> enrolled in eighth grade. So I was sitting with eighth graders and seventh grader mm-hmm. um, in math class. Everything else was all of my other classes were pretty normal. Um, our school was a little bit different in that our reading class was separated based on reading level and so the whole entire school had a reading score um, associated with the with the um, with your reading abilities it was called success for all SFA for short right and um, I got placed in I was I was consistently in the highest um, level of the SFA program and so math and reading were, were accelerators for my educational career early on then I transferred schools school districts in eighth grade, um, I had no more math to take, and the solution that the school offered was was not feasible. It was take a bus to the high school and then take a bus back <laughs> in the middle of the school year, yeah. or in the middle of the school day. So that just my mom wasn't really having that. So she's like, "All right, instead, let's go to let's see if there are options outside of the district that will let you take the next level of math in the school." And so that took me thirty minutes away from home, thirty mm. minute drive away from home, a uh, number of freeway stops away. And this is this is the next level of um, the next level of challenge for, for my personal educational career. I entered a school where it was the norm to take supplementary tutoring classes. Um, I was in honors classes because I felt like I was ready for them, mm-hmm. but I was I was struggling to keep up in these honors classes with um, a, a lot of intelligent and hardworking people around me. And so, again, I think my competitiveness kicked in, and I I don't like being not first. (laughs) And so, I don't like being last, and I think that comes from the basketball court um, with a chip on my shoulder. And so, um, I was really motivated to work hard, and then that drive rolled into, okay, maybe I can can do this, this like, advanced grades thing, or at least give it a shot. So, I took that momentum into high school. High school is a similar situation. Very high-performing um, set of classmates around me that pushed me to to really work hard on on school, and all the while still playing basketball, starting to play tennis for the school now too. Um, and then, then I when when I came time to apply for colleges, I had I mean before I before I moved school districts to the to the eighth grade school, um, I thought there were only two colleges in, in the world. Huh. I thought it was UCLA and, and our local community college. <laughs> right. That's all I knew. Uh, that's all I knew in terms of possibilities. But um, when I applied to schools, I applied to something like 10 or 13 colleges, um, really a mixed bag of different colleges across the United States. And um, the school I eventually ended up going to was a school that my mom asked me. Again, my, mom, my mom's comedy. My mom was, was telling me, hey, you should probably apply to the school. I'm like, what, what's it called? She's like, uh, it's, it's a good engineering school. They have a decent engineering program. It's called Cornell. Mm-hmm. Um, you should maybe check it out. So I did, <laughs> threw in an application, and then um, somehow ended up... My dream school at the time was actually, funny enough, USC. Yeah. Um, for the longest time, I was a UCLA fan, and then all of a sudden when it came to my education, I thought USC would be a perfect place to enter a private school. Um, but it turned out that Cornell ended up making more sense for me. Mm-hmm. Um Ge- geographically and also financially. Um, so I packed my bags and moved to New York and then the rest of it, and then that in and of itself was a different 
a totally different experience. Right. You know, have the country, um, and then college is a different ballpark than than high school is. So I had another um, chip on my shoulder moment when I was when I had to work really hard to make like the mean yeah. or the median in, in classes. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, I landed myself in New York City, um, first working in management consulting, and then now. Um, I've been at uh, the company I'm with now for almost two years. As you stated in the class of high performers around you and a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, um, was there anything else uh, besides that, you know, performance, the high performance and the, and the competitiveness that actually pushed you to continue going and, and to learn more? Uh, that's a good question. So I think um, competitiveness was definitely the fire starter. Uh, then once once the fire starter got me going and got me interested in, in keeping up, quote, in air quotes, keeping up with um, the academic performance of my peers, I think then at some point um, intellectual curiosity, just the, the passion for uh, the self-confidence that I could hang in and the, the curiosity to learn about different subjects like, for example, psychology, um, kicked in as well. And so once once I established to myself that this was something that I wanted to do, um, that was a competitive drive. And I think some of um, self-preservation and self-confidence um, and maintaining my ego, that kind of <laughs> took over and, and kept me in maintenance mode. And then eventually, some sometime in that maintenance mode, I started to develop actual interest in the subject matter. And it wasn't about grades anymore, it was about understanding the concepts for my own um, interest and benefit. I'm sure at Cornell there were classes that you know you really weren't interested in, but you had to grind through. I'm interested to know how you kept that mindset going that, hey, I still need to learn this stuff, and it, and it kept your motivation high enough to get yourself through the median or, or a, to get through that class. How, how did that work for you? So there's a class called Automotive Engineering that I took at Cornell. Um, it was my senior year, and I knew very little about cars. Um, I was struggling in the class, didn't have good grades. I could not force myself uh, to, to read the textbook. It just, all the formulas about power and horsepower and how that relates to the force that the car applies was it basically hieroglyphics, and I was really struggling to, to get to get going in that class. Um, I remember making the metaphor to myself that I wanted to understand cars in the same way that I understood Pokemon. I used to play Pokemon a while back mm-hmm. in my childhood. Yeah. And the, my understanding of Pokemon was I know this Pokemon is better than that one because it has more HP, it has more attack power, um, the attributes are stronger than that Pokemon. But for cars, I had no concept. like. I didn't know what was a typical horsepower for like a Toyota Camry or a Honda Accord. Mm-hmm. And so the numbers that I, were, I was seeing had no relevancy to my day-to-day life. You could tell me that a Lamborghini had, I don't know, 400 horsepower, 500 horsepower, and I wouldn't be able, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to translate that into something that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was, um, I talked to other people, I did a number of things, I talked to other people who had a passion for cars and asked them how they got interested in cars. Um, I found 
um, ways to treat cards like Pokemon cards. And mm. what I did was I started watching, there's a show on Netflix or BBC that's hosted on Netflix called, um, it's, it's since been canceled, but there was a British host named Jeremy or something. I forget, I forget what the name of the show is, but it's a, it's a car show. And, mm-hmm. and watching that show um, really helped me develop the initial interest in, in cars themselves. And then that provided enough motivation for me to, to actually um, remember the horsepower of different cars because I had something, I had a mental framework to hang other things on. It's kind of like once you know the rules of basketball, you can hang on all these different dribble combos or like different fancy layup packages that you can that you can work on um, after you know the basics. You have to you have to have something to build your mental model on first. And so um, once I once I got that foundation in place, um, the rest was just it was just interesting at that point. It was like I want to learn more about how um, how a supercharger works. I want to learn more about how a turbocharger works. And I watched YouTube videos. And uh, the YouTube videos were, I think YouTube is a, a really great resource for me. I've been using YouTube to learn a number of things beyond just automotive engineering. It's interesting that you brought up cars. My son and I have a podcast called Father Son Car Chats, and, and he totally loves cars. Probably would have been able to uh, help you out there. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're really talking about constructivism here. Um, and finding things on YouTube and and understanding you know different ways to actually gain knowledge, reading books and and looking at different things. So with that all being said, um, I'm going to go to the main question here: is what what ways would you change education? And we can talk about secondary or post secondary education, but what are uh, some things that you could see uh, a change happening in the education system? Brandon answers that huge disrupt education question about what he would change in schools right after this message. I am a big fan of experiential learning. Um, I think, um, and, and so I'll speak to that, and then more broadly speaking, I think um, education works when it speaks to the individual, so making something relevant for the individual um, who's learning. And so this, this concept, I believe in um, for coaching and mentoring, as well as education. Education, I think, is a form of coaching and mentoring. And so for me specifically, um, I was, I'm very reactive. I, I react well to applied learning. So I'll, if I have a practical use for my knowledge or I'm able to connect my knowledge to the real world in some way, that's what, that's what gets my uh, my brain functioning at, mm-hmm. at its peak is being able to use the knowledge that I have to do something with it. Um, so for my for most of the topics that I can remember that are interesting to me, I really enjoy learning how things work or why things work the way they do. So um, physics was a natural fit. I like to understand how the world around me works. Mm-hmm. Um, psychology, how the human brain works. Um, biology and history to understand the fundamentals of how we got to where we are today um, and and using all of those things uh, all of those different mental models from those different disciplines of, of, of knowledge and being able to apply them in a way that uh, takes 
principles and concepts from all those areas, which for me is business and more specifically product management. So um, for maybe a quick primer on product management is um, any website that is built, when, when, when we talk about product management from a technology perspective, um, I'm talking about someone is building the experience you go through when you go on Netflix. Somebody has to design the way that the, the tiles are laid out, how if you click on one thing, you get the description that pops up. Um, someone had to design the Netflix app, and so the Netflix app itself is, is the product, mm-hmm. and the product manager brings together engineers, brings together data people, brings together um, designers who are good at drawing um, and more artistic, brings together business people who, who have an eye towards the financial piece of the, the app, and pulls together all those different perspectives to come up with how to build the product. Like, what is the roadmap? What's the blueprint or what's the floor plan to build this product off of? And in that way, um, I'm able to use and pull from different areas of my understanding, including psychology, sometimes engineering, uh, my engineering background in terms of problem solving, um, sometimes even biology inspires technology products. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the way that I... I like to operate, and I think um, our educational system can improve by uh, by helping to facilitate those applied learning opportunities. Um, I think that uh, one of my favorite experiences from college was the ability to uh, run a shipping and storage company while I was in school. Right. Um, I had I was general manager of a shipping and storage company, and had the ability to influence the uh, the business. Uh, pretty much any way I wanted to. I could design um, any type of business process I wanted to at no financial risk to myself. Um, so it was like really a testing ground to to, <laughs> to prove to myself, like if I really want to do business, what does it take to, to do business? And um, what are the resources, how can I be resourceful to to design a marketing program that uh, that resonates with, with the customers of the Big Red Shipping and Storage business? So... I did things like read podcasts or listen to podcasts, read books on marketing. Um, there's one book that I read called Purple Cow by Seth Godin that was um, <laughs> about marketing that sticks out, that's remarkable. Um, and in the same way, um, in mentoring and, and coaching, I, um, I coached basketball in New York City um, to fourth and fifth graders. And um, in order to get the fourth and fifth graders to see or share my passion for basketball, I need to find a way to, to, to connect basketball to their interests. Like, why should you be interested in basketball? Or what, what transferable skills can you take from basketball into other aspects of your life? So one of them being self-confidence that um, you can take hard work, invest that hard work into basketball, and improve, um, improve your basketball skills. Um, and making that relevant to a group of fourth and fifth graders who might not necessarily come in liking basketball previously um, is a task that I think um, also needs to be kept in mind in primary education. Um, I love the way that you actually are, are taking your, your interest and attaching it to your learning and, and, you know, figuring things out that way. That's, that's such a, a great way to look at it. Um, where can people find you uh, online? 
Um, I'm available on LinkedIn. You connect on LinkedIn. My, um, let me check what my LinkedIn URL is. <laughs> Should be LinkedIn, LinkedIn.com slash in slash Brandon S. Huang, H-U-A-N-G. Uh, that's probably the most public profile I have with regards to some of the things I'm involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to run a blog. It's not really a mo- the most up-to-date um, <laughs> just yet, but probably LinkedIn is the best place to find me. So you have a lot going on. Um, what are the next steps for you, Brandon Huang? Uh, for me, I, uh, I'm looking at applying to business school right now. Um, I think I've gotten to the point in business where um, I know what my strengths are, what my tendencies are. Um, understanding myself has been a process, and I, I think that um, it's still an ongoing process, but I, there are gaps that I'd like to fill and strengths that I'd like to improve on. And having a business school, a formal business school education is something that I'm looking forward to. So filling out um, my understanding of finance, filling out my understanding of um, organizational design. How do you build uh, a structure for an organization that enables the most efficient um, efficient use of time for everyone in the company? Um, things like that I, I hope to pick up in the classroom. And then outside of the classroom, I hope to be inspired by fellow classmates in terms of business models, exposure to new business models and ideas. Um, and then go from there, whether it's um, coming back to the company I'm at now, um, starting a company of my own, or joining another company um, that I find to be uh, interesting and something that I want to commit long-term to. Um, all of those options are things that I'm considering. Those are all options that I'm considering um, and that I hope um, will be uh, the result of going to business school. Brandon, thank you so much for passing along your educational journey, your story, uh, how you actually learn. Um, It's going to be a big help for our listeners and our viewers here on the podcast and vlog. We really appreciate you, man. Yeah, absolutely. No problem, Peter. And if anyone wants to reach out via email, um, have them shoot you an email and, and I'll get in touch with them. And that's going to be it for this episode of Disrupt Education. Thank you so much for listening or watching on the vlog. Check out disrupteducation.co when you get a chance to see all the different things that are going on and basically the disruption of education. Until next time, thank you much and we'll see you later.